introduction. So, welcome to my podcast. This is your host, Mary Wosu. And for, for today's show, I have my guest, my first official guest, Victoria Gregg. So, um, Victoria, if you don't mind mm-hmm. introducing yourself to the audience and mm-hmm. just telling them more about you. Mm-hmm. No problem. Hi, everyone. My name is Victoria Gregg, and I am the executive producer of my first documentary entitled Akata Documentary. Um, my story for the movie is about my journey of discovering my African roots as an African-American woman. And my objective is, is very clear, is to teach African-Americans how they can connect to the continent through their ancestors and with a controversial title as Akata. And if your guests don't know what that means, it's basically a derogatory term used for African-Americans. I hope to spark an international dialogue about Pan-African unity. Cool. And how long has your um, journey been in terms of um, making this documentary? Mm-hmm. Good question. So I've been working on this film for about four years. So it would be three and a half years of shooting. And we just wrapped up production in January of this year. And it's going to take us about a year and a half, hopefully, to edit the film for release. So it's projected to release next year in the fall. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. So um, I know the main focus of our show today is really to talk about transitions. And I really felt like Victoria would be a perfect example of someone who has gone through clearly professional, a professional transition and also a personal one as well. So um, I kind of want Victoria to Tell us more about her professional transition. Um, I know, I mean, I know Victoria, we've <laughs> talked before. So I do know, or I do have some type of background mm-hmm. on her, but I wanted her, to, I would like her to tell her, tell us more about her career trajectory, mm-hmm. what she did after college, mm-hmm. um, work-wise, and how she got to this place. Yes. So my journey started off with uh, undergrad. So I have an undergraduate degree in okay. psychology. College, yeah, social psychology with a minor communication from Trinity Washington University. Okay. And by my sophomore year, I realized that I didn't want to talk to people or be a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh no, I have to go back to school because okay. you, you can't do anything with a psychology in like a bachelor's in psychology. Okay. So I ended up going to um, master, I mean, graduate school and got my master's in um, my MBA in business. Um, with a concentration of marketing and organizational change. So I chose a business degree because I knew that I liked money, and I know that that degree would allow me to... <laughs> <laughs> At least you're being honest. You yes, like I'm money. Being so true. But I knew that that degree was broad enough for to give me the flexibility to figure out, you know, who I am and what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So with that degree, I thought that I was going to... I'm a really good marketer, and I thought that I was going to, you know my career trajectory would take me to like the top CEO of marketing and Pepsi Cola, like whatever. And, um, so yeah, I actually got my degree in Hawaii. So I moved back home because, you know, being a freshly graduated student, you know, my money wasn't right. And Hawaii is a very expensive state to live in. Okay. So I ended up landing a marketing job at a law firm where I was, I got paid a, a lot of money and it was awesome, you know, with that job, I was able to pay off um, all of my undergraduate student loans. And right when I made that last payment, um, and this is where my testimony gets really interesting, that's okay. when God told me that, you know, I didn't call you to be a marketer, I called you to be a filmmaker. Okay. And your audience should know that, you know, you heard my background, I have, there's no film in that background, exactly. you know, I'm a business marketing psychology major person, I have mm-hmm. no... I have no experience in film, but you know, I had that conviction that I'm like, oh my God, I have to do this film, tracing my ancestry, but I, I thought I was making a deal with God. I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna hold off okay. on my calling so I can stay at this job that I hated, by the way, even mm-hmm. though I was making really good money. I was gonna stay at that job for another two years. I said, give me two more years so I can finish my um, paying off my graduate student loans. And that, my life didn't work out that way. I, I got fired. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yes, not too long after that. And I said, wow, like this is the sign that I needed from, you know, the universe, God, whoever you want to call that person, that I have to work on this film. So because the show is focusing on transition, I just, being transparent in this interview, it was very difficult for me to go from 
a corporate person making a lot of money to unemployed living at my mom's house. Yes. You know, working on a quote unquote pipe dream. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even a filmmaker. I went through a very deep depression. You know, I. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I applied for so many jobs. Like if I had to guess, like within an eight month period after I got fired from my job, I probably applied and went to no applied for jobs alone, probably like 5,000 jobs and I probably went on 100 plus interviews and all of them were saying nope 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 just one quick question mm-hmm. were those um jobs that you were looking for were they geared towards marketing slash um, yes. business administration or were they geared towards filmmaking they were definitely geared towards marketing I definitely oh, wow. wouldn't to get a job in film if I had no experience <laughs> okay Okay. But yeah, so when I got um, fired, like the jobs that I was applying to was like marketing director, you know, jobs that were worth like 80K, 180K. But every month that I was unemployed, like Mm -hmm. I was applying for less prominent roles. Like it went from director to marketing to like assistant manager marketing or, you know, intern. Like I got like every... Wow. Yeah. The intern intern positions? Every... I got... Every single door was shut down to me. And it's, and, and I have a really strong faith, so I knew that it was God blocking that. Hmm. He was like, I'm not playing games with you, little girl. Like, can you please, <laughs> can you please work on this film? But it was very... And during that time period of depression, of being unemployed and going to job interviews and um, being rejected, is I realized that a lot of my identity was wrapped up in my job. job. And because I didn't have that job anymore, I questioned who I was. Hmm. And I really want the audience to take... Like, hear what I'm saying in that. Like, if you, especially are at a job that you hate, and if that job was taken from you, do you know who you are? You know, would you be able to look at yourself in the mirror and still be confident? Like, I am, insert name here, and I am capable of doing anything that, you know, I put my mind to. But I literally questioned who I was. And the funny thing is, with this film, you know, it's tracing my journey to figuring out, like, who my ancestors were. So not only did I not know my identity... I didn't even know where I was from. So oh. that that contributed even more to like the depression. I'm like, yo, I literally had a, like almost an existential crisis. I'm like, who am I? And well, not only like career-wise and just on a I guess like physical or mm-hmm. superficial level, yeah. but like on a more in-depth and spiritual level yes. too as well. Okay. Yes. So this is how I know that my film is, is, is right on time, especially for, you know, my community, the African-American community, because even I'm hoping that my whole community is not unemployed. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that is something that we don't have the luxury of contemplating, like yes. who we are, because we're worried about, you know, how we're going to pay our bills and whatever responsibilities, you know, we have to um, take care of. So if I can help answer that question for somebody yeah. of figuring out who they yeah. are, I feel like almost everything else can fall into place. Yeah. So how I got over that hump was literally just taking it day by day. Mm. I want to say by the eighth month mark, I got I got it clear. I stopped applying for jobs. I'm like, you know what? Okay. Clearly, I'm not going to get a job because okay. I've tried everything. You know, okay. I was even like applying for humble jobs. Like yeah. I was, it was no longer like marketing jobs. It was like you know, the last job interview I went to was literally for a taco shop. And even they turned me down. And the guy who was interviewing wow. me, he was like, oh my, I wish I was joking. You guys, I'm writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need to write a book. Yeah, like, that's I, awesome. Yeah, like the guy, because I'm sitting here in my professional, like, you know, executive wear, business suit, and, yes. you know, talking about my credentials and how I can turn this taco shop around and, you know, increase profit margins and, mm-hmm. you know, and I literally wrote up a whole social media campaign before I even walked in the door to really show them that, you know, I care about this job. And this guy basically was just like, I can't do nothing for you, honey. Like, <laughs> and, and literally, like, I almost, like, cried in front of him. I was like, I just want a job. And yeah. he was just like, I can't help you. Like, get yeah. out. Like, he was just like, clearly, you're way overqualified. I'm not even going to waste my time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what? it is a risk for him. And I understand why employees don't like hiring overqualified people, people. Because as soon as a better job comes, you know, more, then why am I going to invest all this time exactly. and training into you if you know that you're not going to spend, you know, mm-hmm. more than a summer with me, you know? Yeah. So at that point, like I said, I stopped applying for jobs. And I really looked inward. And I began to search, like, who I am. And you'll see that manifest through the film that's going to be coming out, Akaza Documentary, Fall 2019. Okay. And so, yeah, I have been, quote unquote, unemployed for four years. Wow. Working on this film. And when I tell you that, like, I 
I, I'm very grateful to have supportive parents who are willing to finance my life, <laughs> you know, during this, you know, creative period. And I know that not everybody has that luxury of, you know, not having to work just so you can pursue your passion. But this is more than my passion. It's actually not my passion because I'm not a filmmaker. Like, I know that God put me on earth to make this film. Yes. And I want to speak to the people who know what their calling is and they know, you know, what their purpose is on earth that no matter what obstacles come your way, like if God told you to do it, he's gonna provide for you mm-hmm. no matter what. Okay. So yeah, and I still have some of those days, you know, like you have judgmental family members. I get yes. unemployed jokes all the time. time. You know, people who are just like, who don't get it. But you know, I have amassed um, a lot of success before this film even came out Okay. that people are starting to believe in this crazy vision of Victoria, okay. filmmaker. Yeah. You know, instead of Victoria, unemployed the- person who's, you know, working on some crazy, yeah. you know, film. And, I mean, it's funny because um, a lot of people have tried to hire me or will present opportunities for See? me to... Um, they'll be like, oh, it's going to boost up your resume. And I'm like, I don't care about my resume anymore. Mm. And I know that this is not for everybody. I'm talking to, you know, a select, a very niche market right here. Like, if you, you know, need to work for somebody, yes, work on your resume. But mm-hmm. for me, my resume, it doesn't mean anything because I, I hope not to work for anybody else a day in my life. So this message is really for entrepreneurs who are passionate about, you know, what they're what they're doing right now. And you have to roll with the punches because it's very lonely. You're going to be misunderstood. People will question your sanity, you know, and you have to um, overcome all of these things. But if you find a small support system that supports you and your dream, then you can overcome anything that comes your way when it comes to being an entrepreneur. Well, I would say one thing that I do like, mm-hmm. I mean, you've talked about a multitude yeah. of different things, <laughs> which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that you touched on that mm-hmm. I think it's really important mm-hmm. for, especially millennials, yeah. um, you know, like a lot of us mid-20s, maybe like closer to us 30, mm-hmm. a lot of us start questioning, you know, ourselves, like yeah. our purposes, yeah. our purpose in life. And I think that's something too that I can identify with. I think sometime last summer, I myself, I felt like I was going through like an identity mm-hmm. crisis because I felt like a lot of my sense of like self-worth mm-hmm. was really associated with my job. And I realized that it was really something that's super unhealthy for yeah. me because every day I would go home from, from working mm-hmm. and all I would do was work yeah. because I was obsessed yeah. with it. I was obsessed with getting promoted. I was obsessed with people liking me at work. Mm-hmm. But I just realized I just didn't like myself and that's why I'm trying to like compromise yeah. by overly being oh by being overly successful yes. at work. And every time I try to, you know, like get promoted or mm-hmm. like get ahead for some weird reason. Yeah things will like fall apart. So I, I definitely do agree with you, like in terms of like, it's really crucial in this day and age, whatever process, whatever journey anybody has to go through to really understand and know themselves yeah. and really understand their purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have moments of doubts. Like we've, we've all gone through it. I'm still going through yeah. it. And I'm using this podcast to really, you know, like try to like get a clear vision of, yeah. on what's, ahead for me um in the future before you ask your question sure yeah i want to even expound that a little bit more because when we do when we wrap our identities with our careers Mm -hmm. we tend to like you almost mentioned accept toxic behaviors yes you know at the workplace i know that i hated my job so much and it's not like that i hated the work that i was doing it was the people around my office that was making my life a living hell Mm -hmm. and i would literally cry in the bathroom and i would literally pray i'm like god keep these people away from me you know you would allow people to talk down to you maybe even be passive aggressive to you you know you know crazy office drama that that happens Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's no way to live that is no way to live. And the funny thing is, is God told me to quit my job and I didn't. So, you know, I literally chose to be in a toxic situation mm-hmm. instead of finding an exit strategy to move on to someplace that would give me happiness. Like, yeah. if you if you were like me and crying at your office bathroom literally every day before anybody comes in, it's time to sit back, take a step back, and literally reevaluate your life. Yeah. And if you're like, you know... Your co- me, your host of this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> that you're so obsessed that you that you don't have work life balance. Like yes. you know, work is not supposed to be twenty four seven. You work from nine to five or whatever your hours are, and then you go home and you live your life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're taking work home with you and that has nothing to do with your passion or your family business, no, 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 no. Draw a clear line. 
Joe Clearwater. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you <laughs> that you said other people were doing things to you, like mm -hmm. being passive aggressive. Unfortunately, my my situation, mm -hmm. mine was the reverse. But interestingly enough, I didn't realize that I was actually the perpetrator until I left. Do you? <laughs> it sounds it sounds it sounds bad. Explain that. Explain because I felt like okay. So the way the dynamic of uh, of my project, mm. my that particular project was, um, you're it's called you're testing in accounting. You're testing certain controls, mm. and then you do have your colleagues mm. that like um, have to have to like review your work. So I think subconsciously mm. I put a lot of pressure yeah. on the people on the you know like whenever we get like reviews and like certain things um in terms of like people having wanting me to review their work i was super like ridiculously yeah. like harsh <laughs> on them i was very critical and yeah. at that time i didn't realize it i'm in my head i kept thinking i'm only trying to help these yeah. people i'm only trying to make our team you know like yeah. a lot better and like i was just like why why am i constantly fighting with yeah. people at work and you know like it was up until i did like a review a performance review with my manager and she said you know a lot of people said you were really difficult to work with um you all these things yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know i think one thing that i had to like do was really tell myself it wasn't coming from a place yeah. of trying to like purposely hurt people yeah, yeah, yeah. like i was doing it to better the team mm -hmm. and also to better myself but mm -hmm. i would agree like i did cross some boundaries mm -hmm. and i think one thing that whole experience did teach me was really to understand myself because i just didn't understand myself yeah. and understand yeah. the dynamics of the team i just didn't understand how to work with people so mm -hmm. and you know i think i i lacked a lot of like self-control <laughs> i lacked a lot of Self-control, um, unfortunately, yeah. like, um, the situation was, it got really bad. Oh, wow. Um, wow. It got really, really bad that even after I left the project, yeah. you know, all the things that were said to me, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, I started questioning, am I a good person, mm. am I a bad person? Mm, mm. All these people hate me. And, you know, like, and unfortunately, I came in with the, mind, with the mindset that I have to make my manager yeah. like me, yeah. like, love me, but I think I over... I overdid it. And how do you overcome that? And how did I overcome that? So mm -hmm. it took it took a while. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you know, it took I left the project and then for like the next six months I was questioning myself. Mm -hmm. I was questioning, did I want to be at the firm? Mm -hmm. Do I really like what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Am I really good at my job? Am I a good accountant? Yeah. Um what do I was so obsessed with what other people mm -hmm. thought of me. But it took a while, um it took a while for me to really understand that. Yes, I did make a couple of mistakes, mm -hmm. but I think the number one thing was that it wasn't—I wasn't doing—I yeah. wasn't doing it to be malicious. Yes. So I think that was really mm -hmm. comforting for me. But yeah. I had to deal with the backlash yeah. and I had to deal with the consequences mm -hmm. of my action. Um, so for a while, I was having a hard time sleeping. Oh. Yeah, so I was really having really bad insomnia, yeah. and then I got on a new project. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think the ghost of my past was just kind of like <laughs> was was haunting me. I like to be honest, like um, my on my on my on my next project after that, mm -hmm. that kind of like toxic project was mm -hmm. kind of like over with. Mm -hmm. I just had I was so scared, oh, like yeah. I was so scared of making the same mistake yeah, over yeah. and over again. Mm -hmm. It affected my work. Mm -hmm. It affected, I was too scared to even talk to the manager. I was too scared to even like build some kind, some type of relationships with my coworkers. Um, and honestly, I think it just kind of like took me spending those four, you know, spending four months in Nigeria. I went back to Nigeria. I just took a break yeah. from my life in the U.S. And just, I wanted to be in a different environment. I just wanted to be free and i'm really thankful for my job mm -hmm. because they really gave me this opportunity to really um to really take time out mm -hmm. um i was my insomnia was really bad there mm -hmm. was a time i didn't sleep for like two weeks oh my god two weeks straight and i was on medication oh my goodness yeah i was on medication and i just felt like it was really unhealthy mm -hmm. um like this is like not sleeping yeah, 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 yeah. is extremely so unhealthy yeah. Um, so I think it took me going to Nigeria and then coming back mm -hmm. and, you know, I just really, I just feel a lot better mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about myself. And then I think in the process, I just realized 
this whole idea of being an accountant, like it's it's not really my identity. Mm-hmm. It's not really my identity, and it's mm-hmm. not really what I want to do with my life. And I think after coming back to the U.S., I just kind of like took it upon myself to really explore mm-hmm. other things, um, which is why I'm doing this podcast right. again. <laughs> Um, Because I do like talking to people and I realized I really like hearing about other people's stories because that's really what I did when I went to Nigeria. Like I was in Nigeria for four months. I stayed with my aunt and her husband and really I I just talked to them about their life experiences and they shared, they opened, they were very open with me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in that process Mm -hmm. that I realized, oh my God, okay. Yeah. I like, I do like talking to Mm -hmm. people. I like networking with them. Like it's very refreshing. You know, what I took from what you just shared is for anybody, not just entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. don't ever get to the point where you need a vacation. Hmm. Take a vacation. That's true. You know, and we we have such a, and it could be culturally, it could be just a trait of the United States, but we are such hard workers and it's always go, 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 but everything suffers. Like, you know, your passion about, about your work and, you know, literally led you to, for, you know, Gave you, <laughs> gave you so much anxiety and, and, it, and it robbed sleep from you. And I'm so happy you did go to Nigeria for as long as you did. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the lesson for me and then I hope the audience is listening that, you know, don't ever get to the point where you need to take a vacation. Like mm-hmm. it is though, no if, ands or buts. Take a vacation. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So I guess my next question is, what have you learned about yourself mm-hmm. in this process? So what I've learned, so the process of leaving the corporate world and joining mm-hmm. into the struggles of being a, a filmmaker, a startup entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, I learned that that I'm very fearless and I'm okay. very bold. Um, and because I have no job, I have nothing to lose. So I think that if you ever, you, and you don't even have to physically in a, be, a pl- be in a place where you have nothing to lose, but your mindset, yes. if you say, you know, I have nothing, like, what's the worst that can happen? If it's not death, you know, if it's not, you know, somebody, you know, firing you from your job, then mm-hmm. what is stopping you from being bold and making, you know, awesome risks? Like, for example, like this podcast you know, is a huge, you know, it's scary because you don't know where it could take you. You don't, there's no roadmap. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you have no friends who are, who are going on this journey. So you can't even be like, <laughs> yes. hey friend, how did you, you know, mm-hmm. same thing with me. Like there's nobody in my family that's A, an entrepreneur and B, a filmmaker. So it's like, I have to learn all these things myself. Okay. And I'm the type of person, like give me the rules and I will play the game. I'm not the type of person who'd be mm. like, oh, because I'm a woman, this and this and this is against me. Or, oh, because I'm black, this is this this and this is getting me. No, give me the rules. If I know that, you know, certain white people don't want me in those spaces, then I'll find another space. Okay. You know, if certain spaces don't want a woman in the space, then I'll find another. Like, give me the rules and I will play, play the game. And with that being said... Um, yeah, I learned that I am a risk, t- a calculated risk taker okay. and, yes. um, and I'm very courageous. Um, I would like to share a quick story. Sure. In the v- very beginning of my journey, um, after I had my parents take their ancestry DNA, uh, kids and they're not paying me to talk about them. So it's free publicity <laughs> for them. Okay. Um, I realized that my movie is, could be very, very special and I could see the success in it early on. So what I didn't want is I didn't want it to promote a, a product and not know for sure that they care about black people. Because, you know, mm. in the time of, you know, this climate, you're realizing that CEOs are racist and, you know, Starbucks employees are, you know, are kicking people out just for being black and sitting in the, yeah. you know, so you don't want to promote somebody, I mean, a company if you can, if they don't care about black people. So mm. I said, I need to, I need to get some answers about Ancestry.com to see, you know, how they feel about, you know, black people. Because I didn't see anything online, you know, that would make them... I didn't see any advertisements online okay. that, that let me know that they wanted our business to begin with. Okay. So what I did was I had posted a post on um, Instagram and I had just... And I was waiting for the results. So I asked my people, I'm like, hey, where do you think I'm from? I'm waiting for my ancestry test results. And they liked that photo. So 
a like to me from a company means you just started the handshake with me. <laughs> so what I did was I Googled and I found every Ancestry.com email address I could find. Okay. And I sent them an email and I said, hi, my name is Victoria Gregg. I'm working on a film called A Cocky Documentary. And I have a couple questions, um, you know, like how many black people use your service? How many are buying your DNA kit? How are you advertising to African-Americans? Like, I was asking them, like, you know, questions, questions. Like, you know, in comparison to your other demographics who are taking your test, like, how does that, how do black people, you know, fit in, you know? Yeah. So I just asked, I just, you know, to be honest, it, it could, you could have read that email to be a little bit hostile, but those are questions that I needed to know. Mm -hmm. Or I would have made the executive decision to just cut that whole part out of my scene and mm -hmm. then just come with the information and keep it moving. Yes. So their info, you know, like their main, per like the general inquiry email person was just like, wow, you seem really excited. Um, I'm going to direct this email to the marketing department. <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay, great. So their marketing person calls or emails me and says, hey, you have a lot of questions. We have some answers. If you can fly out to Utah, come and talk to us oh, and ask these questions. Okay. Yeah. So long story short, I, you know, end up, you know, have, I'm unemployed at this point, but I saved my coins. I flew out to Utah and they answered every single question, question. you know, and that made me feel good that knowing that after this film comes out, like they're going to get a lot of money because black people are going to want to know where they're from. Potential and sponsor. I'm telling you, the ancestry call me. <laughs> <laughs> But, but no, but for yeah, real, like yeah. the the people you interviewed, like mm -hmm. you can actually like go up to them and say, "Hey, I have this documentary. Would you like to make some type of that?" Is in the words, honey. We're gonna okay, talk about that okay, offline. Okay, We're gonna okay, talk about okay, that okay, offline. Okay, but the okay, whole okay. point of okay. that was, you know, that I was courageous enough to, okay. you know, have a plan and then find and search out these email addresses for me to even, you know, set up that email address. I'm like, I have nothing to lose. And what that risk got me was an interview. Like, I flew to Utah. I went to Utah. I'm like, there's not a lot of black people in Utah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was, it's, a, it's a beautiful state. So, you know, yeah, I learned. That's what I learned is to that's take risks. Okay. You know. I guess my other question is, what have you learned about people? Mm -hmm. Let's say, okay, people in general. Okay, let, let me just classify mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. What have you learned about quote-unquote friends mm -hmm. <laughs> um the real ones or the fake ones um what have you learned about strangers yeah Ooh. and what have you learned about um your immediate family slash mm -hmm. your maybe extended yeah. family in this process or over the last four years of you really going through this transition wow that's an excellent question <laughs> okay because I think it's important to talk about yeah. this because mm -hmm. you you did um, say that, you know, like in the in this process, mm -hmm. like a lot of people have, it's a lonely journey. Yeah. That's what you mm -hmm. said. I really, I think that. any, I yeah, it's a lonely journey. And, you know, like a lot of people have come up to you and said a lot of different mm -hmm. things that are not so like yeah. pleasant. But I think it's really important for you to share your experience about how you've dealt with friends, mm -hmm. families family members and strangers too in this process because mm. not everyone mm. even your family a lot family might not believe in your dream that's so true that is so true okay let's start off with the friends um one of my good friends she always likes to quote i forgot what's his name um les brown and okay. i'm gonna butcher this quote <laughs> but basically different mm -hmm. things that are not so like yeah. pleasant but i think it's really important for you to share your experience about how You've dealt with friends, mm -hmm. families, family members, and strangers too in this process. Because mm. not everyone, mm. even your family, a lot family might not believe in your dream. That's so true. That is so true. Okay, let's start off with the friends. Um, one of my good friends, she always likes to quote. I forgot what's his name. Um, Les Brown, and okay. I'm going to butcher this quote. <laughs> but basically, Les Brown is known for saying a quote like, "Like when it comes to support, you'll be surprised." who does support you and yes. you'll also be surprised who doesn't support you. Mm -hmm. Like who you think will, will, or who you think will, won't, and who won't, will. Okay. So, so it's, it's the other way yeah, around. Yeah, okay, something, okay. something of that magnitude. Okay. So with that being said is I've lost a lot of friends in this journey. Wow. And it could be either through jealousy, you know, um, resentment, you know, when Resentment in what when way? You, when you, when, this is the problem with like stereotypes and putting people in a box. When people are able to peg you as something, right? And for mm -hmm. a long time, people were able to peg me as unemployed. 
or peg me mm. as, you know, uh, an MBA marketer. When you do something that puts you outside of that, that but, paradigm shift, yes. it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Mm. And that could be an encompassing answer for everybody, you know. Mm. So there were a lot of people in my life were like, I don't understand you. I don't get you. You know, you're doing something completely different from what I know you as. Yes. And that, that, that manifested in very ugly ways. And that could mm. be, you know rumors behind my back that got back to me or you know you telling me that you think my project is is dumb or i'm wasting my time you know there's other people in my life who would give me unsolicited advice and have never made a movie or have their own business mm -hmm. ever so it's like you know you you have to 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 deal with that um so i definitely think that when when you're in a place where you're making risk or a whole another career change, or yeah. maybe it's a life change, or maybe you're getting married, or maybe you're getting divorced, maybe you're having kids, you know, you have to watch your circle of influence and how they react to the changes that are happening in your life. Are they supporting you? Are they giving you words words of encouragement? Are they, you know, sending you beautiful affirmations yes. on Instagram? Like, mm -hmm. check that and nurture those relationships with people who act funny around you, people who you know are lurking on your social media pages but not commenting or liking, but you know that they're having outside conversations about you. Mm -hmm. Like, I always call Akata's documentary, like, a spectator sport because mm -hmm. with I've lived in this area in Silver Spring, Maryland, almost all of my life. life yes. And I know that a lot more people know about Akata documentary than my numbers show. And I know that because when I see random people or like an old high school friend I haven't seen in a decade, you know, they'll be like, oh, how's the film? I'm like, I've never <laughs> seen you like anything. Exactly. You know, I've never seen you share the video. But They're you, lurking on the um, you, you, uh, Lurkers. So it's like, yo, like, so you're going to have spectators. So it's just like for those people like you can sit down and watch, but don't even like nurture those relationships. Don't even tell these people your updates. You know, don't even invest in those people. But the people who, who are showing up, you know, asking, you know, they may not be able to help you, but I'm like, if they can sit down and pray with you or just hear you vent about whatever you're mm -hmm. going through, you know, so I feel like in this in this season of transition, I know who my true friends are. And and I weeded out and let go of a lot of people who weren't for me in mm -hmm. even in the first place. So that's a beautiful thing. Cause like it's you don't wanna it's not fun when you know you have Judas's in your camp. Like it's just the faster you can get them people out your at your crew, the, the better. The better. Yeah. Strangers on the streets. So strangers it's, like strangers yeah. who have helped you along this mm -hmm. process. Like Oh yeah, I was gonna say that in two ways because there are strangers who are upset that my name I call my film what I'm calling it because mm -hmm. it's very, you know derogatory. Yeah, very derogatory and they feel like I'm airing out dirty laundry. I'm like, you just have to see the film the film for yourself. You know, but I I would say that strangers have been my most outside of my family and my close friends have been my number one fans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Bible says that a prophet has no honor in his own home. So, like I said, I've lived in the Silver Spring, uh, Maryland area my entire life, uh -huh. and people, these numbers aren't showing. Yeah. But people, like a person in Chicago could be sharing my stuff every mm -hmm. single day, you know, liking all of my, my posts, and people in Paris are, you know, excited for this film to come mm -hmm. out. So, you know, those are the people you have to nurture as well, you know, for entrepreneurs. Like, if you find, you know, a whole market outside of your home, then, you know, what are things that you can do to showcase, like, your love or your appreciation for you know your own fans so you know like i said outside of my friends and family strangers like the love that strangers have for this film mm -hmm. has shocked me because i'm trying to think in my life like yo when have i ever extended that much love to somebody i didn't know no. to help them get to the next level yeah. in their journey so so yeah. even you you're learning more about yourself yeah. and how you can better improve in terms of supporting people because yeah. um, you're kind of in a position where you know a lot of things have happened yeah. and people have supported you in that process yes. so that's really cool mm -hmm. wow that's awesome mm -hmm. so i guess my next question is how have you i do have an idea <laughs> of what your answer would be mm -hmm. but how have you kept yourself busy and because you know like it's easy if you don't have a regular mm -hmm. nine to five you know like if you have a yeah. nine to five you know okay Got to be up by mm -hmm. six mm -hmm. and, you know, I have to be on the metro, sure. get to work by nine, do all these things. So, like, you do have a set schedule. Yeah. But I guess um, my question is, how have you kept yourself busy? How have you kept yourself in terms of being consistent with mm -hmm. your work mm -hmm. and staying on schedule with everything that you, with whatever timeline you do have yeah. for the many phases of this project? 
Mm, that's a good question. It's funny because I talked to my mentor this morning. Okay. So you do have a mentor? Yes, that's I have. I have. Okay, okay, that's Actually, I don't have one. I have two mentors. Okay. So yeah, one is, is, is a successful businessman and another one is um, a, a successful independent filmmaker. So okay. yeah, I have two mentors. Um, and by the way, that's a free tip for people listening. Nice. <laughs> is, you know, if you're working, if you're in a career change and you're jumping into an industry that you have no clue or have mm. no background, it's almost critical for you to get a mentor. In that field. Yeah, or, you know, or maybe if you have a close family member that you can talk to that's in it. But if you don't, like me, like, nobody in my family is an entrepreneur and nobody's a filmmaker. I had to get outside help. Okay. It's, yeah, it's imperative. But to answer your question is how do you keep yourself busy? Yeah, I was talking to my mentor this morning, and he actually let me know that I'm too busy. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, because he was just like, Vicky, I'm noticing that all your emails are coming at, like, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. He was just like, when are you sleeping? That's true. And I told him, and I was almost embarrassed. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I kind of sleep at, like, 3.30 a.m. and then wake up at 8, you know, mm-hmm. and get my day started. And he was just like, that's not sustainable. And he was like, he was like really concerned. Like he didn't even want to talk about the rest of the agenda. He was like, you need to get that in order. And I'm like the type of person who, who, you know, who loves to stay busy. Like I'll take on 50 million projects at one time, you know, and then three months later worried about why I'm having like panic attacks, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not good. So yeah, my issue is the fact that I'm too busy, you know, um, and that I need to scale back on some of the responsibilities that I have. Okay. So right now, because we are in post-production and I'm not the one who's editing the film, I'm okay. the person who's getting the money, most of my time is spent um, reaching out to people, reaching out to the, our customer base, whether that be through email marketing, social media marketing. You know, I take a lot of personal meetings. Um, I'm at every conference. I'm at every networking event. Yes. You know, I actually counted in this year alone, I've gone to like 75 networking events. So that averages oh about my like, God. that's like 14 events per month. Average. I'm not sure if I did the math, math right, but that sounds about right. You know, so... You know, it's a lot. And then, you know, I'm a Toastmaster, I like you are, yeah. you know, and I just take took an, I mean, I've taken a, a position in that. And, you know, I'm a part of, like, committee groups and all this other So I'm too busy, girl. Yeah, no, I mean, that's good. You've kept, you've kept yourself busy. Yeah, so now I'm in the point where, yeah, my mentor is suggesting that I, yeah, that I scale back, not unnecessarily responsibilities of my film, but all the extra stuff. Stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. But for the people who aren't in that position, because I feel like that's, <laughs> that's what the question was. Because I feel yeah. like it would be, I mean, clearly, like, you, you've you kept yourself busy. But I think for a lot of people, yeah. especially, like, towards the, not even towards, at the very yeah. beginning, like, it's kind of like, okay. Like, they've decided that's to so quit their job. See, that's what and you should have asked. At the beginning of the journey, how <laughs> the, did you okay, keep guess, yourself okay. busy? Yes. At the beginning of the journey, mm-hmm. how did you keep yourself busy? No, that's so true. Um... You know, when you reach, I don't know how, because I've been unemployed a lot of times in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you get into that funk where, you know, like you stop showering every single day and you binge watch Netflix and you're like, oh, I'm going to apply for mm-hmm. jobs, you know, here and there. Yeah. Or, you know, so you're right. You know, if you don't have a set structure or schedule, you know, your life will, your weeks will get into blur and you don't even know what day it is. So definitely, um, for those people who who are, you know, dedicating one hundred percent of their time, and you're not working, and you're working solely on whatever, you have. and maybe let me expand it to maybe stay at home moms who are choosing to be at home to mm-hmm. take care of their kids, you know, and teach their kids. You know, you still need to set schedule because when you're inside that home, you it screams comfortability. Yes, but you have to set a structure and a schedule. Like, okay, eight o'clock, I'm going to wake up the kids, and then I'm going to when they're eating breakfast, I'm going to go run or do errands, mm-hmm. or you know, I'm going to block out this amount of time to you know insert your tasks here. So you need to have a set structure. Stru- mm, a set, a set stru- structure. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, like based on the conversation that I had with my mentor, is you know what. I need to set a structure of, I need a bedtime. Because right now, mm-hmm. I don't have one. I know that every day I wake up at 8.30 to handle my business. But it could be, you know, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's like whatever the task means. But I'm like, you know what? I need a set bedtime because I need to prioritize sleep. Coming from someone who suffered with insom- mm-hmm. severe insomnia, yeah. get your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, nothing is worth yeah. losing. Yeah, I think everybody should get yeah. at least seven to about eight hours of sleep. 
it's important. every single day. It's very important. And I do know, like, within the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. space, they always say, Oh, you know, if you mm-hmm. if you really want to be successful right. in your business, you don't need sleep. Right, I sleep when I'm dead. Oh, <laughs> no, a liar. yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be dead before you even get the chance to sleep. If you if you're not if you're not taking time out to sleep, yeah. it's really important to take good care of yourself. Like very very important. Yeah, it is. Audience members, listen to that. And I'm taking <laughs> I'm taking that medicine too. Yeah. <laughs> Please, mm-hmm. please get your sleep. So I know you did touch on like networking mm-hmm. a little bit. You said you've attended over 70 events mm-hmm. so far. How crucial has networking been mm-hmm. in this process? It has been incredibly, incredibly crucial. I'm trying yeah. to, like you just, I have made more of an impact meeting face-to-face than I have on social media. Because right now, you know what, and I, I shouldn't even quantify that, because like I said, I have a lot of lurkers. Okay. But these lurkers aren't converting into supporters. What does convert okay. to supporters is me meeting people face-to-face, and, and they can shake my hand, and they can see the passion in my eyes yes. about this project and why they should get involved mm-hmm. in it. Or they know somebody at Netflix that they can get me in contact with. Mm. So. Oh, wow, Netflix. I'm telling you, yes. But am I going to wait your name? I'm telling you. <laughs> So yeah, you have to you you know we we even though we live in a digital world, you cannot you cannot you cannot you cannot negate the fact that we still need face to face contact, mm-hmm. and that's why I make a, a really big effort to attend like every if it's an African event or an African American event, like I am there. Like and the circle is so small that you know I'm kind of like well known in the community now. And when you establish that rapport where people constantly see your face, be like, oh, man, I saw you at this and this and this and this mm-hmm. and this event. You know, they can trust that if they ask something of you or, or invite you to speak to an event at an event, you know, that you'll show up and you'll have great things to say. So I've gotten, um, yeah, a lot of opportunities because of networking, okay. which is why I continue to do it. Okay, nice. How much time do we have left? <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I guess like we're slowly approaching the end of our interview and I just had two more questions. Mm -hmm. So what has been, I wanted to ask, I guess like what has been your highest of high Mm. in this process Mm. and what has been your lowest Mm. of low in Mm. this process, be it something that was something that happened, something that was said to you. Um, Yeah. If you could emphasize on that. Wow. Okay, I have many highs, but I'm gonna start off with the lows because it's at the. Because <laughs> yeah, because I've, I've had some many lows. Um, so one of them being, um, I applied for a Harvard fellowship. Okay. And it was a fellowship opportunity to study at their African American library. Nice. And I wanted to, in my rationale for applying mm. for this fellowship, is to make sure that I chalk this movie full of like African and African American history. history. So people are not only like learning my personal story, but mm-hmm. they can, it's applicable to all of us, you know. Yes. And and I knew for sure that I, I was going to get that fellowship. When I told you, I started seeing signs everywhere. You know, I'm seeing Harvard on the Metro bus. You, you know, I'm like I'm at Starbucks and people are, are from Harvard are talking right behind me. So I'm like, I started seeing like Harvard everywhere. So I thought that spiritually, I'm like, That's, this is my sign. Yes. I'm going to get it. And I'm literally just thanking, thank you, Jesus, for it. <laughs> I just started pre-thinking him. I was just like, thank you. I'm going to accept this opportunity. And then I got a rejection later. I said, no way. Because I'm like, and they, I sent them everything. So they know like exactly what the film is about, you know, know my quality or whatever. And I'm like, yo, like not only would Harvard be an asset to my film. I'm like, no, my film is going to be an asset to Harvard. And they rejected me. And I took that really hard, really personal. This is why, you know, we got to go back to the identity thing. Like Mm -hmm. we can't keep attaching our our identities just to other people. And I attached my identity to a prestigious institution that I wasn't even accepted in. (laughs) You know, so there was my mistake. So, you know, yeah, that was really hard for me. I do believe that, okay, maybe it might not. You're saying you've seen, you saw the signs of like Harvard. I do believe like 
it is possible yeah. that even though it might not have yes. happened the way mm-hmm. you expected it to happen through the fellowship, mm-hmm. but like maybe in the future, mm-hmm. oh yes, once the movie mm-hmm. is out, like you just never know so like true. what might happen That's so true. at Harvard or That's how so they might come through for you. Absolutely, thank you. You see how she just spin that? <laughs> yes, yes. I know. I definitely agree with that. You know, our timing is nothing. Mm-hmm. So his timing, but yeah, so that was you know one of my my lowest lows. I, I like I definitely took that to heart, and it took me a minute to like get over that rejection. Mm-hmm. Rejection in any form is not fun, but I, I have many highs, and I'm trying to think of a high that I can share that won't spoil the movie. Okay. Um. So in this process, I met a lot of celebrities. Okay. Nice. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. Um. I was at a the constituency for Africa Ronald Brown series conference mm-hmm. and. Jadena was uh, speaking at a panel, like discuss like, like how to market Africa to like the millennials or whatever, mm-hmm. something like that, something youth related, and mm-hmm. you know, getting people, young people excited about the continent. And afterwards, I had the opportunity to shake his hand. Oh my God, he's so beautiful. Anyway, so I shook his hand, and I really didn't prepare what I was going to say, but what ended up coming out of my mouth was, I said, "Hi, Mr. Jadena. I'm like, my name is Victoria Gregg. I'm like, are you familiar with Alex Haley?" Now, if you don't know, Alex Haley is the um, director of Roots. Roots, Yeah. And he's just like, of course I know who he is. And I said, well, I'm the next Alex Haley. Wow. And he was just like, wow, really? (laughs) And he was like really impressed with that. And of course, you know, he's Jadena. Everybody's trying to like, you know, but I'm like the fact that we locked eyes and I proclaimed that out of my mouth to him. Yes. You know, when that does. Exactly. When that does, when I do reach that threshold of the movie being out and people or writing articles about me saying that this is Alex Haley 2.0. You know, Jadena will remember that and hopefully call me. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but yeah, so to me, like, that was the high because, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting to say that. You know, sometimes you just say things just to be saying things. But I'm like, you know, I, now I believe that. Like, those words have never came out of my mouth. But hmm. speaking Poor to him, baby. that was, like, literally his greatness made me elevate my nice own. yourself. Exactly. Okay, nice. And, Okay. Wow, that's <laughs> that's pretty interesting. So, my final question. Mm-hmm. I know this is something that has been making rounds in the media, um, talking about like mental health, and I think Ooh, it's really important man. for us to really share our mental health yes. experiences because yes. you know, like, it's really scary. Because was it like two days ago? Yeah. It came out that Tina Turner's son killed himself. Yes, her oh eldest God. son. Yeah, shot himself in the head, unfortunately. So, I mean, may his soul rest in yeah. peace, oh but um, no one really knows what led to that. Oh but God. I do think, mm-hmm. you know, like, you've, you've gone through transitions, mm-hmm. and transitions mm-hmm. are tough yes. on anybody. So, I guess, like, what do you do to keep your mental health yeah. in check? And you did talk about, you know, like, yeah. you did go through a bit of, mm-hmm. like, a depression, mm-hmm. but what did you do? To get over that hump. Mm-hmm. Um, that, okay. When I got fired and dealing with that depression of being unemployed mm-hmm. and working on a film, not knowing even where to start was really hard for me. And then, of course, you know, I had to deal with this. Sh- like, I had a group of friends, like, when I had a job, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, every Thursday we would go to happy hours. But now that I'm unemployed, like, you, that, yeah. that stops, you know? Like, yes. you know, so it got to That's the point insane. where I carried shame, too. I'm mm. like, oh, I can't even be around the same group of people yeah. and, and maintain the lifestyle that I was living because I'm no longer on that level. So, you know, I also had to deal with, okay, so you have the shame, you have the regret, and then you have the loss of, of your friends network you know and you yeah it's very isolating it's very very you know it can be very alone so I know in that that period I relied heavily on my faith and I relied heavily in journaling which is Mm. why I'm writing a book because I have I've journaled this whole journey so you're writing a book also talking about this process or is it about something else yes okay so um so for yeah for me it was journaling and, like I said, relying on my faith that got me through. But that took a little bit, you know, of a longer process because I've never felt that that deep into depression. But what helped me get out of it was once I started putting making micro steps on my film, I started getting victories. And like mm-hmm. I said, the earliest major victory was the fact that I was invited to go to Ancestry.com's headquarters really early on in my journey. Yes. Like literally the first scene is my parents taking DNA tests. 
And then after that, I reached out to them online and bam, I have an interview. So it's like, hold on, like maybe me making this film isn't a waste of my time because of victories that I'm, I'm getting. And it was like, you know, like snowballing into something greater. So if you're in that depression, you know, I would recommend journaling. And if you have some type of faith, I would recommend doing that too. But also make micro, it don't even have to be baby steps. It could be micro steps to doing whatever it is you're supposed to be doing and celebrating in those, those small victories because they matter because they add up and they commute, you know, what's that word I was trying to say? accumulate excuse me mm -hmm. so yeah but this earlier this year I actually went through a bout of depression too because um I was in a failed relationship mm -hmm. and on top of that I realized that I didn't handle my business properly like I thought this whole entire time I had a non-profit but I actually mm -hmm. owned a corporation so oh, it wow. yeah I know we can talk about the Miss Account. Yeah. We can talk, we can talk <laughs> about like, that. I could have told you that. You know. It wasn't a nonprofit. So, so um Did you have to pay taxes? We we can talk about <laughs> that offline, girl. We can talk about that offline. But, but earlier this year, it wasn't until I sat down that relationship that I was in. I realized that my business was on fire the whole entire time. Mm. And when that Pandora's box opened Open. up, like everything, all the other nonsense in my life was piling on. So I went through like a bout of anxiety, panic attacks or whatever. Mm. So what I ended up doing was I ended up um, talking to um, a therapist about stress management and anxiety, mm. um, you know, to handle that situation. And eventually I got another mentor that would help me get my finances, you know, on, on track. You know, I dissolved the corporation. Now I have an LLC that's, you know, in the process of, of doing that. So, you know, don't be afraid to seek, you know, professional help. And there are economical ways. Please Google, you know, digital therapists where you don't even have yes. to be, you know, it can be completely anonymous. And these people will talk to you, text you whenever you need to, um, yeah, you need somebody to talk to. So, you know, that's what I dealt with. So not only, so how I got out of that, that happened earlier this year, was literally acknowledging that I am overwhelmed hmm. and that I can't, I don't have the capacity to deal with that mm -hmm. and seeking help to do that. And then once you get a handle on, okay, this is how I manage my stress and anxiety, you need other professional help that it can be like, like hiring people such as you, financial advisors, mm -hmm. talking to a lawyer, talking to whoever who can help you get out of whatever in my instance, those are the people I would talk mm -hmm. to. But whatever your situation is, like, get a plan. And if you can't come up with a plan, hire somebody else to help Dude. you make a plan yes. so you can implement the plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Victoria, yes, for joining us today. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode yeah. like I did. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun talking to Victoria mm -hmm. today. And um, I hope everybody gets the chance mm -hmm. to, well, be on the lookout for the documentary yes. um, Akata Doki. Mm -hmm. What's, what's the name again? You yes. say it. <laughs> yes, my film is called Akata Documentary. It's, okay. it's going to come out fall 2019. Okay. And for more information, you can visit my website, akatadocumentary.com. That's A-K-A-T-A -A documentary.com. And she also has a YouTube um, mm -hmm. account. So just yes. go in there and type in Akata mm -hmm. Documentary. Yes. And um, thank you all so much. Thank you. Nervous, like, oh, <laughs> wow.